folks, it's another edition. It's the solo edition of Hitting the High Notes Jazz Talk. Jazz Talk. Yes, Talk. Um, that's right. I'm, uh, as I, I am here, uh, you can follow me on the Twitterverse. I'm uh, at Jazz High Notes. That's at Jazz High Notes. Um, yeah, like I said, it's a solo version. Um, cue the music. All by myself. Uh, yeah, uh, Dragon Squatch and Go to This Is 49. I can't tell you where they are, or won't I tell you where they are? Either or. One of those two. Um, uh, so hopefully they join us uh, next week. So this will probably be a shorter episode because, you know, I got no one to bounce off of. Um, and nobody wants to hear me talk for an hour and a half anyway. Uh, so, you know, a nice short version of the of the high notes is uh, in order today. Got a couple of thoughts um, uh, right now with the jazz being down. Um, I'm not quite down, uh, uh, ironically, um, which is weird because, yeah, like a month ago when the Jazz were winning um, and they were at full strength, like really at the end of December, um, after the Dallas Mavericks win, I was pretty low um, as a Jazz fan. And, and the Jazz had won like six out of eight. You know, they were doing fine. They were beating up on teams that um, uh, were missing guys in COVID, uh, with COVID, but they were still winning. They, they had a winning record. They were three in the West. And at that point, I you know we had this uh, conversation on the pod, and I was just like, oh boy, guys, I I, I don't feel great about this Jazz team. Um, and now the Jazz are like, I want to say losers of or yeah, they they've lost nine of their last eleven. Um, only wins in the last uh, three weeks have been against uh, a Nuggets team, um, which was nice. But then and then the the Pistons, which kind of scoffed at, but I mean the Pistons beat the Jazz um, uh, not too. Uh, not too long before that. So, yeah, um, while everybody's sort of, not everybody, but there's a lot of, you know, we talk about Jazz Twitter a lot. Like, we, we, we kind of keep our, our ear to the ground, the, the pulse on Jazz Nation to see where, and like, it feels like a lot of Jazz fans are down. And losing will do that to you. I mean, we, we saw just in the last game uh, against the Suns when the Jazz were at home, Rudy Gay get frustrated. I mean, everybody's frustrated because, you know, losing sucks. It, it doesn't feel very good. Um, and ironically, I'm, you know, me as a Jazz fan, I don't feel awful. Um, the Jazz are probably a little more down than I thought they would be. Uh, you know, preseason kept trying to keep the mantra of like, you know what, the regular season doesn't matter. And um, uh, I've been I've been telling myself that for you know about a month now. Um, you know, where I thought the Jazz is uh, not stealing the Jazz's floor this year was probably going to be three seed. Um, but, um, you know, they're in the four seed. They, they, they don't look like they're going to catch the three seed. Uh, they don't look like they're going to be a top three seed. The Jazz look like they, I mean, they, they, they could drop. I mean, they're still in fourth after losing um, a nine of the last 11. Um, but, I mean, the four seed doesn't sound great. I mean, you know, we keep talking about Samuel Jazz and how they're always um, uh, in, in this, like, little fourth, fifth area. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the bright side here, that the, the fourth seed is probably not ideal. Like, nobody wants to be a fourth seed. I don't, I don't know how many teams win from not having a top three seed. But last year we saw the Clippers um, uh, literally um, uh, tank the last game of the season to drop from the three to the four because they thought that was the better path for them to, um, uh, to get to um, uh, uh, the finals or, or win, win a title. Um, obviously that like, got a little derailed for them, but that was their plan. Like they didn't care that they were going to lose, um, a home court advantage in the, um, 
you know, you know, lose a three seed and, and possibly lose a little home, home court advantage. Home court advantage, um, I don't know, sort of a fallacy, I believe. Like, I, I get it. I've been to playoff games. I know how energetic the you know Jazz on Christmas Day, even though they played a you know a, a Doncic Doncic less Mavs team, it had a playoff atmosphere. It was super loud. It was super energetic, and I sometimes I think we just give too much credit to home court advantage because I mean the Jazz had it all last year, and the Jazz still lost Game Five to the LA Clippers last year uh, in the second round, um, and it was I mean. I, I want to say that we, as fans, believed in home court advantage because we want to believe that we, as fans, can really help an outcome of the game. And I'm not saying that fans can't. I'm not saying home court advantage can't. But sometimes I think we give too much credit to home court advantage. Um, you know, because obviously, if home court advantage was that big a deal, man, the Jazz would probably win a lot more or playoff games. The Jazz um, would probably win a lot more games this year. Um and but you know maybe just not that big a deal. Uh, teams are teams are tanking. Teams are going on the road. Like you got to win on the road. The Jazz are winning. On, we're winning on the road for a while. Um, and you know maybe it's just our mindset as fans thinking, okay, cool. If I go, if I just be a little bit louder, um, if if I can just be, if I can just cheer louder, it will energize the guys to play better. But you know there's also the flip side. You know I, I want to thank Sam Farkas because we were talking about this earlier. Uh, Sam Farkas and I about uh, home court advantage, and he was like, and, you know, and the flip side exists too. Like, guys like to shut crowds up, you know? Like, you, you love hitting a, a big shot that quiets the crowd uh, and, says that, and sends them home I'm, uh, unhappy. So, I'm like, guys get up for that moment. And so, yeah, like, the Jazz right now in the four seed. If the playoffs ended today, you know, it wouldn't be great, but they would still at least have the first round um, uh, home court advantage. But even then, like, really, maybe we're, maybe we're just giving too much credit to, like, what home court advantage means. I'm not saying the Jazz are going, you know, going out there and say we don't need it, but they're also not going to sit there and push themselves to come back from injuries too soon, push themselves to try to win, uh, you know, a game in January uh, to try to, you know, get home court advantage because they saw last year it didn't, you know, they, they lost game one to the, to the you know, the ninth-seeded Memphis Grizzlies um, in the playoffs last year uh, with home court advantage. And, you know, and right there they lost it, but they they then they won the next four games, including two in Memphis. So, you know, it's just one of the things that I, again I, I keep circling back to home or um, I keep circling back to um, uh, the regular season just doesn't matter, and you know that, that's really kept me even. Uh, I try not to overreact to what's happening on social media. Uh, try not to overreact what's happening to a game. What's not uh, overreacting to what happens in a stretch of games. Um, but I do think the Jazz are in a, in a perilous spot right now. Uh, the the trade deadline is two weeks away, I think, uh, from the day that I'm recording this. Um, and you know, part of me we, we talk about we've been talking about trades all a lot on this pod. If if, if, you, if you're a loyal listener of a pod, you, you know, for the fact, like I've talked about trades for a long time, and part of me like is like oh yeah a trade would be nice a, a trade to shore up what we've talked about um uh, for three years now about the perimeter defense not not being up to par would be nice however i just don't i think the jazz are now a year too late in making a trade uh, i think last year was a perfect chance to strike however when you win so many games and you go into the all-star break you know with a lot of momentum it, it's really hard to make a move at that point you know you have to have like you have to have like the balls of steel to to really make that move, and 
you know, I, I, I can't blame Jazz Magic for saying, well, let's play it out. You know, you, you danced with what got you there, and they did. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for them. Um, injuries or not, just didn't work out for them. So um, uh, we, we, as we push this trade deadline, I mean, I, I, I mentioned the name Jeremy Grant a lot on this podcast. It's not an infatuation with that player, but it's an infatuation with that play type, that, that play style. Like when he played um, the Jazz in, in Denver, man, I was like, wow, that's something the Jazz don't have. You know, someone who can hit that, you know, like you can't leave him open because he, he, he is um, offensively, offensively gifted enough to hit the three and also had that body type that he almost could guard um, one through four. And um, uh, you, you can kind of stick him out there, and man, he, he really helped that Denver defense out. Um, and then he went to Detroit, and now he's doing what he's doing there. Um, that's yeah. I mentioned Jeremy Grant because it is easier for people to grasp when I say Jeremy Grant to grasp the archetype I'm looking for. Um, and I don't know if there's another guy out there that you know a diamond in the rough that the Jazz can go that can hit threes, but also play some a pretty good perimeter defense. And I, I don't know where you're gonna uh, where we're going to uh, the Jazz are going to. Um, uh, find the role for him um you know we're gonna do a little trade uh, podcast coming up here in the next uh, couple weeks and talk about like Clarkson's role Joe Ingo's role uh Boyan Bogdanovich's role or whoever else um and, and to ch- for the Jazz to shore up because uh or you know and a name that I kind of just kind of leave out but you know he's been getting a lot of track Royce O'Neal's role um and um uh, if, if, if something that can change because uh, Gobert can't do it all, and we've we've seen um, uh, teams um, uh, you know game plan away from Gobert and and be successful um, in the postseason, and the hope is that adding even just one more guy um, uh, to go out there with uh, the Donovans, the the Mike Conleys, the, the you know one of Boyan or Royce, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's a it's a it's a hard one. I'm not sure there's a, a, a trade that the Jazz can win on paper at the trade deadline. Um, shout out to McKay. McKay actually put this out on Twitter earlier. He's talking about Thomas Zoratinsky. Um, he's a 6'7 point guard, played for the Cavs. I don't even think he's playing very many minutes. He used to play for the Bulls and the Wizards, I want to say. Um, and I, I, I even tweeted back at him. I'm like, you know, just, I, I'm a big Zoratinsky guy. I, I kind of wanted the Jazz to make a, a play for him in one of the offseasons when he was, was a free agent. Um, but, you know, if, if you have to give Jordan Clarkson to get Sadoransky, um, it's intriguing to me. But it's a trade that I know that it happens. A lot of Jazz fans would be unhappy. Even the Jazz fans that are sort of, you know, willing to part with Jordan Clarkson now because of, of the recent stretch of play from not only him but the team. Um, you know, you go get somebody that doesn't have the name value. Uh, Tom- I keep saying Thomas. Tomas. I don't know what I'm saying. It's Tomas Sadoransky. Um, uh, um, and, uh, yeah, but, like, you go with that, and that's the trade that you lose the press conference at, and which is not a big deal. Like if, if you're a GM, you should be able to, you know, handle a bad press conference. Like like oh we we you know tra- traded if the Jazz traded away a, a popular player and got back you know no name. Like I, I brought up Robert Covington on a podcast probably two weeks ago, and I was surprised that I didn't get very much pushback from uh, the the guests that were on that night. I'm like really you guys are are okay with Robert Covington? It's it's now we're talking ourselves into some players and not even I'm not even saying that Robert Covington is bad. It's just that he's a player that Jazz fans were razzing on for the last six months and now we're getting closer to the trade deadline and I was like, well, people are talking themselves into uh, a Roco here. Um and I was I just trying to find like names that maybe on paper don't fit um uh, uh you know like again it's not gonna be a popular decision if you trade 
a Joe Ingles, a, a, a JC, uh, a Boyan, uh, for one of these guys. But maybe, maybe this is what you need. Like you know, a six. Uh, so I, I mentioned Tomas here, six seven point guard. You know, that's that, that's that's huge. So a guy that could be a a tertiary ball handler, uh, a la Joe Ingles, or somebody who doesn't need to have as many shots as Clarkson, but can facilitate and get other players shots. Rudy Gay, who you know, people have been speculated that he was mad because he's not getting the ball in, in, in certain situations, like when he's open. You know, maybe those are the guys that are, um, you know, it opens up, you know, you, you change what you've been doing for the past couple of years. So, yeah, uh, maybe maybe the player is on the Jazz lineup already. You know, the Jazz are looking like they're going to sign. I mean, a lot of articles have been written about 10-day contract Daniel House. Daniel House was a... NBA player for for a few years, played on a couple teams, um, was cut. So the Jazz have brought him in as, as a ten day contract guy. Um, you know when he played for the Rockets, I, I don't remember his Knicks tenure, but he played for the Rockets and hit some threes. Um, has you know he's at wing. Um, I don't know if he's a great defender, but maybe he's just athletic enough that he can use that. And, you know the Jazz do lack athleticism on this team. Um, you know like outside of like Donovan, obviously. Yeah, maybe, maybe Daniel House is a guy. Um, uh, Eric Pascal. Eric Pascal is a, a huge talking point for people because they, he goes out there and they, they see some energy. It's, it's weird to me to like see people like champion for Eric Pascal to get um, a bunch of minutes when you know these are the same people that also didn't want Jay Crowder on the team because um, I, th- I think they have very similar games. Um, you know, you know, just you know, and, and like energy wise, um, hustle wise, uh, we're seeing hustle and we're you know try hard and. I think we want to reward that kind of hustle when we see guys sometimes uh, uh, when we see guys um, uh, um, kind of go out there and like are kind of laissez about um, uh, their uh, uh, their job out there. Um, you know, we talk about how Donovan can't always play stellar defense because um, you know he has to save it for offense. You know, J- JC. Um, known as a, a bad, bad defender around the league, um, you know nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody stops Zach Lowe from calling um, a JC a bad defender. Um, but then you go out and you see somebody like Eric Pascal come out for his whatever tenure that he gets and just giving it a hundred percent. And I think we want to re- reward that. Um, but I also have to remember that like you know Eric Pascal is a, a second round pick, so you know thirty ish teams and some teams passed on him twice uh, before he got drafted. The Golden State Warriors, um, uh, even after seeing how well he played his rookie season, traded him away for a second-round pick, uh, another second-round pick uh, in the future. So the Golden State Warriors didn't value that that high. And, and, and this is not me saying that Eric Pascal's a bad player. This is uh, me saying that okay, well, you know, maybe Eric Pascal is not an All-Star. Um, and the Jazz have a, a pretty heavy rotation of, of, of nine to you know nine and a half guys if you count Trent Forrest minutes when everybody's healthy. And trying to shoehorn another guy in there is not as easy as you know people are like well take two minutes from JC take two minutes from Boyan take two from Joe take two from you know take two from everybody and get him fourteen minutes and you know on paper that sounds right all right cool yeah you know everybody plays two minutes less they get a little more rest but now we got to think about what lineups is Eric Pascal's coming in going into um, you know a lot of people's easy answer is Joe Ingles you know I, you know Sarah Todd of Desert News and the unsalvageable unsalvageable podcast put out there like okay where are we gonna put Eric Pascal Pascal excuse me and um, you know someone's like oh Joe Ingles easy like like it just set in stone and I'm like okay 
um, you know, she gave a different answer than the one we give here, but like, um, so the Joe Ingles, um, they just have different roles in this offense here. So, um, I asked these guys, I'm mean, you know, we, they had a talk early in the year about, you know, having Rudy Gay take more of Joe Ingles minutes. And I was like, well, what do we think Joe Ingles does in, in for the jazz? And, um, I think the answer is that Joe Ingles is a tertiary ball handler playmaker for the jazz. And they don't really have that anywhere else. Um, uh, maybe Trent Forrest, but, um, you know, the jazz, you know, run, they start with Donovan and Mike, but then they kind of like alternate those guys with Joe out there to kind of give whoever, you know, Mike or Donovan, another chance, another, another guy out there um, with the ball. Um, if you take Joe Ingles out of that role, you know, you know, he plays quote unquote small forward most times, maybe a shooting guard sometimes. Um, and you throw Pascal in there, you know, like the height and everything matches up and, you know, the position matches up. But Eric Pascal's not really, you know, a ball handler. You know, he's he's a he's a a D guy. I don't know if I would consider him a super like three and D guy, but you know, he's definitely a D guy, um, uh, uh, you know, defense guy. And um, uh, while um, while I think I'm, uh, you know, he he I, he's great. Like you know, we see him like, oh yeah, that's what that's what um, a perimeter defense is supposed to look like. But then then on the offensive end. You know, I, I, like I said, I don't know if he's a great three-point shooter. He's made some. He's shot some. Um, do I feel confident with my life on the line, you know, for him to make a three? Not quite sure about that. Um, and I, I think the defenses do give him a lot more leeway than almost anybody else. Like, even Joe Ingles, who's having a down year struggling. But um, that, uh, you know, you know, defenses respect that three-point shot a lot more. Um, and I bring it up because, like, if Eric Pascal's out there, they may leave him open, but they leave him open because they want to make sure they get the role man in Rudy or Hassan. They want to they want to double somewhere else. And right now, with the Jazz lineups the way they are, they don't really, you know, besides Trent Forrest, they don't really leave anybody open besides Royce. And Royce has made the most out of it, even though he's sort of having a, a down uh, couple weeks. Um, so yeah, so to me, that's where I see the problem is that you put Eric Pascal in there. You're not really replacing Joe Ingles' skill set. You're replacing Rudy Gay and Boyan Bogdanovich's skill sets, and you know, like that's you know that that's that seems to be the harder answer. Like, okay, if you want Eric Pascal to get more minutes, are you willing to take it away from Boyan and and Rudy and Rudy Gay? Because um, I just think um, if you if you take out Joe Ingles' minutes, that you have to figure out some more ball handling out in that in those lineups. And maybe maybe you put them out there with uh, Donovan and Mike Conley, but a lot of Donovan and Mike Conley's minutes comes like you know beginning of the fourth quarter, beginning of the third quarter, and you know then at the end of the game. Like ugh, it's just it's just hard for me to envision um, uh, him taking that role. And you know then now now we're talking about Trent Forrest, who you know if Trent Forrest is the guy that can be in there to be another ball handler, then all of a sudden you have two not great shooters out there and, and Pascal and, uh, and, and Trent Forrest. And so you're still causing problems for yourself. Um, and, and we know Jordan Clarkson's role out there is not to be a primary playmaker. He's out there to, you know, score and, and create offense for himself. And so, yeah, so that, that's, uh, I've been kind of like marinating on that for a while just because people have been talking about it a lot. And I said, you know, I, I have longer thoughts on it. Um, but maybe, maybe, maybe the answer is Royce, uh, Royce O'Neal. Um, you know, Royce is six four. Usually has to play, you know, power forward and in um, uh, uh, 
spots that like it just I, I won't say uncomfortable for him, but like man, like we're asking guys to play you know positions that I, I bet Royce O'Neill was not really a forward a power forward um, in high school and college at you know at higher levels, and so yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a hard ask for Royce, and he and he's done pretty well I think um, in, in that role, and this year you know like he, of course he's gonna get burnt by Kay Cunningham because that's the kind of guy that burns Royce, Royce O'Neill all the time. Like you know I always go back to Jamal Murray like. We don't think Royce is a bad defender. I mean, I, I don't think Royce is a bad defender. But, you know, there are certain guys that he just doesn't match up very well with. So, you know, if, if you want to talk me into sitting Royce more for Eric Pascal, that's great. But, again, now we're running 10, 11-man rotations. Now we're asking, you know, Royce to be effective with six less minutes and maybe, you know, Boyan and you know, Rudy Gay. Like, I mean, you want to take minutes from those guys? I mean, that's that's fine. Like, you know, if you want to take three, three from those guys – just seems like um, we're, we're taking from places that we don't need to take from to try to shoehorn uh, Eric Pastelin, who, uh, by all accounts, I think he's a good player, but also maybe, you know, you know, Jazz fans love the 11th, 12th, 13th man on the bench, man. Like, last year, people were asking for Juwan Morgan, uh, Drell Brantley. Um, Mione, I think, is in a different class. Like, Mione looks like he might be the guy that they can develop while still being um, uh, good last year. So I'm going I'm to leave you on it. But, like, we're talking about second-round picks and really putting them in there. Uh, for, for a team that's not just contending for the playoffs, a team that's contending for the championship, which I, I still am I'm behind. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, Roy, I mean, Royce has looked rough at times in the, in the last couple of weeks. But, again, like, the Jazz are playing without Rudy Gobert. So, you know, the, the, they've missed Donovan. Uh, the team went out with COVID. Some, you know, I saw Whiteside um, got a concussion and then got COVID. So, like, I mean, has he, has he really been out there for the last month? You know, pe- people are, are turning on Hassan Whiteside again, which is like, oh, right, these are these are the same Jazz fans I remember. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're really testing the whole once the Jazz men, always the Jazz men uh, mantra that they, they keep talking about. Um, yeah, so I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure. I think Eric Pascal can be a place and maybe it is one of those, um, uh, you, you know, you trade somebody and this addition by subtraction, maybe, um, it, uh, part of us are hoping that, you know, hoping that Daniel House or Pascal or somebody like Austin just steps into those roles, but, you know, playing an 11, 12-man rotation does, doesn't seem smart. Maybe there, there's some um, maybe there is some room for some just like crazy lineups that Quinn just throws out like, you know what? This is not working. We're going to throw something else out there, but I don't know. From what I've seen of Quinn Snyder, and I, I'm not quite sure I disagree with what he does here, but um, Quinn Snyder seems like, you know, we're not the guys to keep changed up because we're not going to react to what's happening on the floor. We've, you know, the Jazz have practice a certain way because um, we've seen it we saw it last year we've, see, we've seen it this year where the jazz offense is powerful enough to put them back into games uh very quickly um and you know even when they start slow like you know you know maybe maybe they're off or we, we saw it against the suns last game like you know pretty pretty awful first quarter what happened in that second quarter they came back and got it with them too um you know then an awful third quarter but then they came back. I mean, you know, honestly, they they were down by two points with less than two minutes left in in the game, and then it just you know it just fell apart. But that offense can hit shots. Uh, so you know, I, I sort of mentioned this on the last podcast with everybody was that you know you have a plan and you know it can work, um, 
And just because it hasn't worked for a quarter or a half, like, why do you want to get away from it? If you've seen it happen before, like, oh, they, they don't have it tonight. They're, the threes aren't falling tonight. But, you know, that's the, that's the funny thing about, about basketball. It's a game of runs. Like, all of a sudden, if, you know, Logan Dragon Squatch would call it, you know, the avalanche. Like, all right, you just wait for the avalanche. And it would happen. And then, then all of a sudden, they would win by 20, and everybody would feel very silly about the first half. First half, um, uh, uh, you know, tweets or, or feelings, and um, yeah, it, it's not it's not a really consistent way to live, um, but it it has worked a bunch of times. There's there's a lot of evidence to say, you know, don't go away from that because it does work. Where the flip side is like, okay, well, we can change it up, but it's not something that we're as confident in. Like the Jazz are probably more confident in, in you know just running offense. Like if the Jazz were like taking a lot of bad shots, I think I think um uh, I could probably um get behind that. But a lot of times like the Jazz are just taking good shots, they're open, they're just not going in. And this is, you know, sort of what Logan brought up last year, like make or miss league. And I was like, sometimes you just you know, even if you run your offense completely right, you're still gonna miss the shot. Um, you know, just make or miss. And uh when you make them it looks really great. But when you miss them it doesn't and, and you know, is that is that a failing on the system? Like, if it works a lot of times, but sometimes it doesn't work. That's just the way the game goes. Um, and, you know, may- maybe you do need to have a plan B or plan C, but I just don't know when you switch because plan A could be working. You just have to, you know, just has to go in. And it's frustrating. You know, I think this is where Logan's uh, frustration is that, you know, like, okay, well, when they go in, it's fine. But when it doesn't go in, then there's no switching. But it's, it's, this is the same thing I call the Jordan Clarkson experience, like, he could just be awful for three quarters, and then he can score 30 in a quarter, you know, uh, or 20, whatever, you know, whatever is more realistic in your mind. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, like, oh, they, he doesn't have to pull him. We have we have evidence of him not doing well, and then all of a sudden just, just light, you know, there's reasons why he's called the flame flamethrower, you know, flame on. Like, it just he just turns it on. And so um, uh, it's just one of those things, like, I, I don't know when I don't know what the right answer of to win to pull or change direction is because I've seen it a lot of times the other way where like well you just stick with it you know if, if you practice something enough and if the shots you're taking are are good reliable shots that you've seen go down you know eighty percent of the time then maybe you should stick with that plan because eventually the pendulum will swing the other way and all of a sudden the avalanche will happen um, south of the Cavs for call it the Cavalanche because you know that does work a lot better than a Utah Avalanche so yeah so um yeah those those are kind of the big big things that like I'm not, I'm not really down on the Jazz uh, and maybe it's because maybe maybe I feel like they haven't had the rotation like nothing I can that's happened in the past three weeks has really bothered me like they, they've had some fun games you know the Raptors uh, you know this says we love seeing these you know 12th 13th men come in and and playing well um, Elijah Hughes, people are asking for Elijah Hughes. I'm like, again, just, you know, just pick your second round name, your, your second round pick and put whatever, put their name in, at, you know, what we'll call the Juwan Morgan award or Juwan Morgan spot, um, that people love. And, um, yeah, um, I, I, I just, I, I don't know if the second round pick that's sitting on the, and I, I think it's nice to have those guys there in case, you know, a, a weird injury or something where you just need to throw them in, but I don't, I, to me, I don't know if that's the answer, uh, and I think it's really great that they put it in. But again, these, these are like no, you know, once you put no expectations on somebody, anything they do is great. Once you sign a guy to a minimum contract, anything they do that's positive is great. 
But once, you know, like, okay, we're going to count on this guy as our 10th guy, you know, Pascal, Hughes, House, whoever it is. Then you have, once you're like, okay, these guys are regular rotation pieces, then then you yell at them. Then you yell at Hassan Whiteside because, oh, he's not stepping up like he was a month ago before he got sick and uh, got a concussion. And all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, Jazz fans hate him again. It's because expectations have changed. When you have very little expectations of somebody, all they can do, all can, all they can do is go is up. When you have little to no expectations of somebody, Hughes, Pascal, um, you know, when, when these guys are buried on the bench, anything you think they do is, is a positive. Like, oh, all right, cool. Like, you know, and so we're we're blaming guys who have built themselves reputations to have higher expectations. Um, you know, even dope people people are calling for dope now to play. Uh, it's just very weird to see fans kind of like make that switch really quickly. Re- very reactive. And something I try to keep um, uh, on here is like, you know, let's not overreact to things that happen. Um, you know, let, let, let's, let's get some data. Let, let's get a month worth of data and, and see what happens. And sometimes it's hard to do that in the middle of basketball season when we're three months away from, from um, uh, the playoffs, two weeks away from the trade deadline. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a trade out there that really helps the Jazz out. Uh, maybe, maybe there is something. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Jazz do need to switch course and switch one of their nine guys out. You know, Royce or Boyan or Joe or or uh, Jordan Clarkson, and go get somebody and just switch it up and just have somebody that does something completely different. You know, can the Jazz give up Joe's um, uh, playmaking and and ball handling? You know, as a as a tertiary guy, can the Jazz give up? Uh, JC's creative offense. Can the Jazz give up Boyan's gravity and and shooting? Can the Jazz give up like really the only guy that and maybe maybe Royce looks good on defense by default because everybody else in the Jazz look bad, um, you know, or or can the Jazz wait it out? Can the Jazz get everybody back? Because you know you know the Jazz last year you know either it was a fluke or it was something that you know we've seen and it's sustainable. Um, even like in December, the Jazz were looking just fine, um, and hopefully, maybe the hopefully maybe the the this little stretch here you know, kind of focuses them up. It gives them uh, some more information to the front office, um, and if the Jazz don't make a move coming through, then it's one of the things that, well, you know, you you've already put a lot of chips in uh, the the front office, this Jazz team, and fans, Jazz fans have put a lot of their emotional chips into the pot with this team and you can either fold and get out or you can just continue going with the, with the hand and, and hope you hit it um, and hope your hand gets better. Um, and, you know, may, maybe the jazz without full, you know, may, maybe the jazz, may, maybe I just need to see the jazz at full strength, get their brake speed off them a bunch of times to be, for me to start worrying. But right now I'm feeling, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel any less confident in this team than I did uh, beginning of the year, December preseason, um, and which doesn't mean say like I was when I say confidence, I, I was confident in the team. I wasn't like, oh, you know, we're winning the champ, you know, I'm going to get a tattoo because we're winning the, the Jazz are winning the championship for sure. But I was like, I think they have as good a shot as they ever have had. Um, and I still believe it. Like, you know, bring on the Mavericks, bring on the, the Grizzlies. Um, if the Jazz lose, then okay, well, then. You know, it's um, uh, you know, it's probably past time to blow it up, but at least you have that information. So, oh, anyway, uh, that sounds about that's that's about thirty minutes, right? That's about thirty minutes of me talking. You can hear my voice here. Let me let me have a have a drink here.
There we go. You know, got to lubricate that throat there. Um, anyway, yeah, thanks um, uh, Thanks for listening. I'm going to follow the Jazz Pod Co-op. Go to the Jazz Pod Co-op. That's jazzpodcoop.com. That's jazzpodcoop.com. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, please, because most people use Apple Podcasts and really helps us out when we get good five-star reviews. Um, uh, I don't have anybody to put in Marnay's uh, produce corner today, so I'm going to shout out to Marnay. Hopefully... Uh, she probably didn't listen because she, once she heard that Logan wasn't on, she was like, I'm out. I'm out of this bitch. Um, yeah, so um, uh, we might throw, you know, maybe um, uh, we'll get go to the Distance 49 and Dragon Squatch to come on another day. Uh, hopefully I can get some people to, we can talk about trades. I, I do like talking about trades. I do like talking about hypothetical stuff that has very little chance of happening. Uh, we do trade special every year, and uh, I'll tell you, we don't talk about Matt Thomas, so... Uh, we'll talk about some big names and things that could happen to the Jazz team. And hopefully um, uh, hopefully that what I was telling three weeks ago, you guys can catch up to me in a couple weeks here where I'm, uh, you know, we'll feel content about the team. Not just content, but, you know, the sky isn't falling anymore. And uh, But then, you know, I'll tell you how I feel in three more weeks. So anyway, that's it. Aight, that's that. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time.